Amen. All right. Hey, speaking of hard times, uh, uh, did you guys realize that Kenny had a rough week this week? Okay, pay, pay attention. You want me to tell you about it? Yeah, no, okay, thanks, Kenny, but I'm going to anyway. Anyway, so first of all, it started uh, last week, Monday. Kenny comes into my office, right? And he's got two burnt ears, Ron. I mean, they're really scorched, right? And so obviously I asked Kenny, I says, man, what happened to you? And Kenny said, I was ironing my clothes and the phone rang and I picked up the iron. So, yeah, so I asked him, well, what about the other ear, Al? And he said, they called back. Yeah. And then it was Thanksgiving week, and uh, so Lori asked Kenny to pick up an extra frozen turkey uh, at the store. Okay, but he couldn't find one big enough for the family, so he asked the stock boy, he says, hey, do these turkeys get any bigger? And the stock boy turned to him and says, no, sir, they're dead. Okay, and then after Thanksgiving, it was Black Friday, and Al was driving around, you know, shopping away, and, and, and he's going through the shopping mall, and he sees Kenny uh, just lying on the sidewalk outside this uh, beauty parlor. And so Al gets out, and he asks Kenny, what in the world happened to you? And Kenny shook his head and he's rubbing his chin there and he says, well, the, the last thing I remember, Lori was coming out of the beauty parlor and I, I took one look at her and I says, well, honey, at least you tried. <laughs> yeah. And so Kenny, he's obviously in big trouble with Lori, so he decided later in the week uh, to try to score some points. And so he takes her to this fancy, smancy Italian restaurant here in Vegas, right? And Kenny, being a chef himself, you know, he's trying to act cool, pretty suave, right? He's trying to impress Lori. So he picks up the menu in this Italian restaurant, and he says to the waiter in, in, with a voice that the whole restaurant could hear, and he says, we'll have the Giuseppe Spondaluce. And the waiter says, I'm sorry, sir, that's the owner. Okay, and so that night, just when he thought it couldn't get worse, man, uh, Kenny was in the bedroom watching Lori put on the cold cream on her face, right? And he asked her, what are you doing that for? And Lori responded, to make myself beautiful. And then she proceeded to remove the cream with the tissue, right? And that's when Kenny said, unfortunately, what's the matter? You giving up? <laughs> and that's why I visited Kenny in the hospital this week. Okay, folks, but uh, as you can see, it's been a rough week for Kenny. You know what I'm saying? apparently, and uh, it's pretty bad, but uh, nothing was going right for them. It was like one thing after another, every single day just continued to get worse, but you know there's a punchline coming, and here it is, folks. Believe it or not, there's an even worse week that's coming to the whole planet, okay? It's called Daniel's 70th week, okay? The seven-year tribulation, and it's real, and it's going to make that experience look like chump change. The Bible says it's going to begin right after the rapture of the church. The Antichrist is going to make a peace treaty with the people of Israel for seven years. Is anybody wanting to do that right now as we speak? Oh, it's in the news folks pay attention okay and it's going to be a horrible time for him it's an outpouring of God's wrath on a wicked and rebellious planet and the reason why it's going to be a worse week than Kenny's is because for those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior they're going to be catapulted into that time frame Jesus said it's the worst time in mankind's history so horrible that unless God shortened that time frame the entire human race would be destroyed Okay, but as we've been seeing, praise God, God's not just a God of wrath, he's a God of love as well. And because he loves you and I, he's given us so many warning signs to let us know when the tribulation was near and we better get motivated, okay? And so in order to keep you and I, at least here at sunrise, from experiencing the ultimate bad day of being left behind, we're gonna continue in our study called The Final Countdown, okay? And uh, we've already seen the number 10 sign was? Jewish people, that's right. Number nine sign was modern technology. Number eight was worldwide upheaval. Number seven, the rise of falsehood. Uh, number six was the rise of wickedness. And the last four times we saw the fifth sign was the rise of what? Apostasy, which means a turning away. A turning away even from the core basic biblical truths in the scripture. And what we saw is God has lovingly foretold you and I in advance, 2,000 years ago, that when we see not only the world going down the tubes, is that happening? 
Uh huh. He says, but even when you see the church going down the tubes, and that is happening all over the world right now. We've seen that that's been happening for different reasons. One, there's a massive flooding of phony baloney believers going to church services. Do non-Christians ever show up at a church service? Uh huh. Big time. That happens. Okay. There's a massive flooding of greedy believers in the church. And the last two weeks we saw was a massive flooding of worldly believers in the church. And we saw that with a two week study on the lies of the church growth movement. That's bringing worldliness and apostasy in the church by convincing us that we need to focus only on numerical growth instead of spiritual growth, cultural music instead of Christ-like music, fluffy teachings instead of godly teachings, and a powerless gospel instead of the one and only true gospel. Why? Because they have convinced us in the American church with a lie and that lie is this that if you do what all these things that will make the world feel comfortable and if the world feels comfortable then they'll stick around and if they stick around then that means your numbers are going to go whoa straight through the roof and that's what makes for a successful church nowadays doesn't it no it's causing growth all right again it's causing a massive growth of apostasy and worldliness in the church exactly like god said was going to happen when you're in that generation you're living in the last days, but that's not the fourth reason why people in the church have abandoned the Christian faith. They have apostatized is due to a flood of, this is where it gets really creepy, occultic believers. People in the church who are displaying and distributing and involved in occultic activity, okay? What I'm talking about, folks, in this study is what's called the signs and wonders movement, okay? And if you haven't even heard of it, it is rampant throughout the American church and it's been that way for probably a couple good decades, okay? And little do people realize in the church that the signs and wonders movement is not only aided, listen, in this massive rise of apostasy, but they are manipulating people in the church with emotional, spiritual manipulation, listen, and it is preparing their hearts to worship the actual Antichrist in the church. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God. So open your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians 2. 2 Thessalonians 2, if you find 1 Thessalonians, what do you do? Celebrate, give the person next to you a high five. You haven't found that in a while. That's right, and then take a right, okay? Let's take a look there. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is going to be our text here. And this is the classic passage where Paul equips the church of Thessalonica about the Antichrist and about his appearing so we're not caught off guard. I'm telling you folks, this book right here is the only book on the planet as you turn there, okay, that tells us step by step what he's going to do, okay, and his deceit and his methodology so we will not be caught off guard. Would you guys say that's probably gracious of God to do that for us? Uh-huh, it really is. If we would just only read Okay, and so let's do that. Okay, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Let's take a look. He says, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody excited about Jesus coming back? Yeah. <laughs> Folks, I'm telling you, what a day that's going to be. Okay, and being, uh, uh, put to, uh, or gathered, being gathered to him, okay, we ask you, brothers, do not become uh, easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy or report or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. He says, no, come on. Don't let anybody deceive you in any way. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, is revealed. And he's the man doomed for destruction. Don't want to be in his camp. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worship. Listen, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Okay, and the scripture says he's going to do that halfway into the seven-year tribulation. He's really going to put out his true colors. He says, don't you remember when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? He says, and now you know what's holding them back so that they may be, he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness, it's already at work. 
But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed. Praise God, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Now listen, the coming of the lawless one. How do you know when it's getting close and he's getting ready to bust out onto the scene? Thanks for asking, Byron. It works well with the context. He says this. Here's what he's going to do. It's going to be, number one, in accordance with the work of Satan. Okay, and it's going to be displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish. Why? Because they refuse to love the truth, God's word, and so be saved, is what he says there. It's going to get so bad that God's going to send them a delusion that they're going to choose to believe that, and the Bible says they're going to be condemned. Okay, but folks, this is the classic passage. I don't know if you're familiar with it. We've seen pieces of it before, but we've talked about the first half where somebody would have the audacity to go up into the Jewish rebuilt temple. Are they trying to build that today? <laughs> yeah. Okay, they're all that close, okay? And, and, and he's going to declare himself to be God. But people don't worship a man as a God, a political figure, do they? Yeah, we've already been through there. Okay, we've seen that before. But this back half tells us what else is going to happen when he starts to appear on the scene. And the Bible tells us he's going to appear on the scene with, what did it say there? False counterfeits, signs, wonders, and miracles, right? Says it right there, okay? And it's not only going to be satanically inspired, but listen, it's going to specifically deceive people who specifically refuse to love God's truth. Can I tell you what book that is? It's right here. They don't want that anymore. And that's what we've been seeing with the rise of apostasy. It's specifically going to deceive those people. And obviously they're not Christians. They're condemned, the context says. And he says there, they still need to be saved. Now here's my point. Good thing we see no signs of people hunkering and, and chasing after uh, signs and wonders and miracles instead of the word of God. Do we in the church today? Folks, it's all over the place. And again, I feel like sometimes I'm equipping us outside these four walls what's happening in the American church and it's not good, folks. Okay, it's happening right now all over America and it's called just that, the signs and wonders movement, okay? And it's causing a movement, all right. It's causing people in the church, again, the context are people who go to church services but are not Christians, okay? He's causing people in the church to move towards actually worshiping the Antichrist. And the first way that he's doing that, folks, is tricking the people in the church to follow a different spirit than the spirit of God. The first way he is tricking people in the church Okay, to get their hearts prepared to worship the Antichrist is to get them to follow a different spirit than the spirit of God. And that spirit is called emotions. Okay, emotions instead of the word of God. An emotional encounter instead of an encounter with God's word. But that's not what God says we need to be following. Let's take a look at just one passage that tells us, folks, what we need to be following. Uh, here's what it is. Psalm 19, verse 7 through 8. The law of the Lord is what? perfect okay uh, reviving the soul the decrees of the lord are trustworthy making wise the simple and the commandments of the lord are right bringing what to your heart joy man this is great what a study this could be how many guys want more joy in your heart right how many guys would love to experience revival genuine revival in your soul huh wouldn't that be cool how many guys would love to be so wise and equipped with god's wisdom that nothing can deceive you wouldn't that be great Yay! Let's close in prayer. No, let's continue on. I got a lot to cover. Okay, grab some coffee or something. But anyway, uh, no, folks, so what do we do? What did the Bible say? If you want more joy in your heart, if you want to experience true, genuine revival, if you want to be made so wise in the things of God that nothing can deceive you, let alone the Antichrist, you've got to what? You've got to get into God's Word, right? 
He says it right there. You got to fall in love with that thing. You got to immerse yourself into God's word. You got to delight in it. You got to seek it. And whoa, life is good. That's what we should be about in the church. But not anymore. Thanks to the lie, the signs and wonders movement. Haven't you heard? Apparently God's word's old hat. <laughs> That's not good enough anymore to bring about maturity uh, for Christians, okay? And, and what they believe, and this is the premise, this is the lie. They would have you and I believe that we need something new and improved. Something better than the word of God to bring about revival and maturity in the church today. And this is what they say. They say we need to seek not the word of God, not a scriptural experience with God. We need to have an emotional experience with God. We need to have an emotional encounter, not become a disciple of Jesus Christ through his word. Why? Because listen, it's step one of the antichrist to get you away from God's word. Put it in the context. It's step one to get you and I away from God's word so we will fall for the antichrist lie in the last days. Okay, why? Because put yourself in his shoes. He's not stupid, guys. Okay, he is satanically inspired. He knows that if he, he cannot fool people, even in the church, when he shows up on the scene with these lying, false signs, wonders, and miracles, if they know the word of God, right? Why? Because we just read you cannot be steered wrong by the word of God. And this is the only book on the planet that tells us step by step what he is going to do and how he's going to try to deceive people in the last days. So the last thing he wants you in is in that book. Okay, so here's what he does. He gets people, even in the church, to put, listen, to put down the word of God and seek the majority of their time seeking an experience with God. Why? Because then you're following emotions, and he knows that emotions can deceive you, right? How many guys, after you've eaten a piece of chicken, you actually feel elated? Don't you realize how much of a deception? No, okay, right? Yeah, Al, hey, see, there's deception all over the place, right? Your emotions, if you ate a bad cheeseburger, oh, life is horrible. Well, maybe, what did you eat? What? Emotions can deceive you. Feelings can deceive you, but not the word of God. And the enemy knows that. So he's got to get you away with, uh, from that, okay? Now, I will state on record, folks, I do not have a problem, okay, uh, seeking a, a genuine emotional encounter with God, okay? I don't have a problem with that. I'm very passionate when I preach, as you guys know. Sometimes in prayer, I'm not saying this to boast, but by way of example, sometimes I'm bawling my eyes out like a little baby. Sometimes God just blesses you with a touch of his spirit, so to speak. You got joy come out of your ears, even if the house is burning down, you know what I'm saying? I, I wouldn't exchange that for anything. I love this intimate emotional walk with God that created the universe through Jesus Christ I wouldn't exchange it for nothing but listen that's not what's going on here that's not what is going on here these so-called emotional encounters that the signs and wonders movement are promoting in the church are not genuine they are counterfeit things like ecstatic speech barking like dogs uh, having convulsions uncontrollable laughter even in church services listen they're telling the church in mass that this is the new sign of your spiritual maturity if you engage in this emotional activity okay and I know folks it's, again it's like I gotta equip us outside these four walls what's going on in the church okay but let's take a look at some church services every one of these is documented and it's not just isolated cases it's all across America and you tell me if people are not being led by their emotions to be deceived by their emotions they're not seeking encounter with God's word they're seeking an experience and they're being duped Okay, here's some actual church services that you could attend if you wanted to. The first one is the Hokey Pokey Church. I'm not making this up. You're going to see it in just a second. If you not only want some good old uh, fashion entertainment at your next church service, hey, but hey, a free healing to boot. Who couldn't use some healing? That's right. Uh, then you can attend this church and join them in a new movement of God that's out there. 
That's right. It's called the Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey Dance. Huh? Right? Not making it up. Here's the actual video. Let's take a look. Three weeks ago, we did a Friday Night School of the Spirit, and we saw 12 people heal the Word of Knowledge, and 40 healed doing the Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey. Let's just go ahead and do that and see what the Lord does. You guys okay to do a little Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey? Can you lead it? All right, Brian's going to lead us in the Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey. You can Put your right hand in, put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you dig your right hand out. You put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. Uh, when I started doing the hokey pokey, at first with the arms, uh, nothing, nothing real effect, but then as soon as I just started, we started doing the whole, put your left foot in, your right foot in, both of my knees, you know, one at a time, I could just feel all of a sudden it's like there was no pain. Wow. Anybody here need a healing? You know what you got to do. Let's get her done. But you're, don't even try it. Don't even try it. Are you kidding me, folks? This is real. Not the word of God they're coming for. They're making this stuff up for an emotion. Whoa, oh, look how spiritually you are. It gets worse as you go, folks. How about the Can Can Dance Church? This has got to be custom tailored. I'm not kidding you. Here for Vegas. Check this out. Another church service included a lady who said the spirit of God gave her the left leg anointing. And suddenly she kicks up her left leg like the can-can dance, doing this thing, right? Okay, and she says, more, Jesus, more. Whereupon people are supposedly slain in the spirit in the direction of her kick. Woo, isn't that good emotions? Look how spiritual she is. And then she continued to start to say God's name in vain. And she changed, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. But yeah, what spirit are you following? It gets worse. How about the hiss like a snake church? Another uh, church service included the so-called minister. Hey, forget that sermon stuff. Uh, hissing like a serpent, sticking out his tongue uh, out, grunting loudly as he walked through the crowd. And all the while, people in the background yelling, screaming, and making animal noises. Oh, that's some good emotion. It's even worse. How about the squeal like a pig church? Go to this church service and you're going to hear the sounds of pigs squealing while people are busy dancing that jig. Woo! Getting ready for the potluck to go pig out. You knew that was coming. What? Oh, it gets even worse. How about the mood like a cow church? Dare I dream? Dare I dream? Okay. <laughs> Go to this service and you would see a lady mooing, not making it up. I don't have, didn't have the time for the video on this one. Like a cow with two so-called ministers rolling around on the floor beside her. Not the word of God, but that's what's going on in that church service. How about the ball like a sheep church? You go to this one and we could all join together and go, bah, like sheep. And that's got to be spiritual because the Bible says that we're the sheep of the... I know that's pretty bad, but I had to say it. You guys knew it was coming. Right, let's continue on. How about the bark like a dog church? For you canine lovers out there, come on. I got two wiener dogs. You can go to this service and join everybody barking like dogs. That's right. Who let the dogs out? Woo, 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 woo. And that's right, folks. Uh, how about this one? Roar like a lion. If a dog barks not loud enough for you, go to this church service and you can be encouraged to roar like a lion. Ow, come on. Row. Row. He did it. I can't believe it. He's so spiritual. Give it up for Al. Wow. I can't believe it. But that's right. But folks, I'm not making this up. You can see the picture. Look at that thing. Look at that thing. You see it? What's coming out of its head? How many times do I got to prepare you guys? All right. It's got horns coming out of it. That's a chicken. That's right. That's a demon chicken. Okay, anyway, that's right. But I had to share that with this uh, video you're about to see. Believe it or not, you can go to a church service where the pastor doesn't preach another boring sermon from the Bible. Come on! Don't you know what spiritual maturity comes from? No, he stands around clucking like a chicken. 
Now, the video on this next one isn't the best quality, but the audio is just fine. You have to see it. I'm not making this up. Can you imagine going to a church service and instead of experiencing true joy, true revival from the Word of God, instead you hear this from the pulpit. Check it out. Okay, now, before we take off, you know, before we go surfing, let's get the reading done. Luke! Luke, <laughs> chapter two. I tell you what, let's look at chapter one. Verse, verse, verse. was a member of the Abbey. That's just wrong on all different kinds of levels. <laughs> Unfortunately, it gets even worse than that, folks. I'm telling you, you open Pandora's box. You get away from the Word of God. You seek an emotional encounter. They come up with all kinds of stuff. It's in the church. It's counterfeit. Uh, how about the Toking the Holy Ghost Church? Wait till you see this one. Okay? If animal noises aren't your thing and you really want that spiritual high, that's right. Look no further than these churches who encourage you to toke the Holy Ghost with them. Check this out. I'm not making this up. This is so blasphemous. But this is happening in the church and there's a whole new generation just eating it up, folks. Let's take a look. What is toking the ghost? This is toking the ghost. <sighs> toking the ghost is simply putting your fingers together in the form of smoking a joint. But instead of smoking an illegal substance that's harmful for the body, you are inhaling the Holy Ghost with the access point of putting your fingers together looking like you're smoking a marijuana cigarette. But in fact, you are receiving impartation from Almighty God. I challenge you today that toking the ghost is an idea from the Holy Ghost to disturb the religious strongholds, to disturb religious demons, to destroy religious spirits from hell, and to get the church into the freedom and the laws of liberty in Christ Jesus so that you may, two things, glorify God and enjoy Him. I'm at Springs of Living Water Church in Fargo, North Dakota. I'm here with John Crowder. I firmly believe in token the ghost, right? <laughs> I have a little Jehovah Wana. And so we just, <laughs> all you have to, and the thing is it's free. You just reach in your pocket. Wow, look at what's there. You just take a little... <laughs> A little, a little whiff of the glory, and you <laughs> exhale. I'm just going to give you a little second hand right through the video screen, all right? Time and space are not an issue. This is a heavenly realm, all right? So you just access point right here. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. <laughs> there is no high like the most high. Hi out there in internet land. Um, I was just going to... I was just going to take a big old glory injection off of my baby Jesus. I just took my baby Jesus and I strapped him to um, a syringe. And I'm going to just take a glory injection into my veins on the main line. Get some of that big heavy liquid heavy weighty shooby booby juice just pumping through my veins from heaven. So. Here I go. Shh. 
Chingy boing boing ding 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 ding. <laughs> ding 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 is right with all due respect. Wow. Folks, you got to understand, I'm telling you, we've talked about this before. Sometimes you're in this isolated bubble called Sunrise Baptist Church. This, these are not isolated cases. This is happening all across the American church right now. I don't know, maybe I'm just being old-fashioned or something, or you know, just a hard line, a hard nose, a traditionalist, and I'm trying to stick to the Word of God. But I don't think that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, came all the way to heaven to die a horrible death on that cross uh, just so we could sit around in our church service clucking like chicken or doing a joint thing with the Holy... What? Folks, this is happening right now. It's blasphemous. And here's my point. I don't doubt that these people are having, listen, an emotional encounter, all right? But can I tell you something? It's not from God. It's step one of the Antichrist. Put yourself in his shoes to get the church away from God's uh, word. Why? Because he's trying to prepare your heart to worship him. He knows if you stick to the word of God instead of go to that baloney, he can fool you. So he's got to get you to hook yourself on an emotional experience instead of a scriptural experience because he's going to set you up in the last days with an experience, all right? It's called an experience of false counterfeit signs, wonders, and miracles. And listen, we now have a whole brand new generation throughout the American church that's ready to receive it because they're away from God and they're looking for that so-called miracle and false sign okay but that's not the second way that the enemy is doing that deceiving us into preparing our hearts to worship the actual antichrist is by getting us to go to step two and that's linking yourself up with a different spirit than the spirit of God he's tricking you into linking yourself up Okay, to a different spirit than the spirit of God. But the Bible says you better uh, be careful because uh, just because something comes with great emotions, I'm not downplaying their emotions. They might have a quote-unquote spiritual high. That doesn't mean it's from God. This is a classic tactic from Satan. This is what Paul says, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13 through 15. He said, for such men, like what you just saw, listen folks, are false apostles. They are deceitful workmen. They are masquerading as apostles of Christ. Listen, and no wonder, are you shocked? For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants, these false apostles, masquerade as servants of righteousness, okay? And so folks, if you're familiar with that passage, the Bible says that, listen, we have to wake up to this. Satan does not always appear on the scene, folks, as some horrible looking creature with horns and a pointy tail and demon breath, okay? It's not always that way. Sometimes, folks, he appears as an angel of light, which, listen, listen means... Your experience of having an, an actual demonic encounter sometimes is going to be, quote unquote, emotionally fabulous. You're going to be filled with so-called joy and bliss and love that you're going to come to the false conclusion, well, hey, this has to be an angel from God. No, it can be an angel slash a demon working with Satan. That's part of the ruse, okay? And so here's the point. Paul wrote that down, what, 2,000 years ago? for us surely we wouldn't fall for that trick i mean surely we would never link ourselves to a different spirit just because it felt right and assumed it had to come from god right not anymore folks i'm telling you we've fallen for step two of this lie from the uh, signs and wonders movement okay we've not only fallen for step one the emotional counter seeking that over a scriptural encounter with god but we've gone to step two and we're linking ourselves with a different spirit rather than the spirit of god and here's the next lie here's what they say now you, you're going down that emotional route but that's not enough you need to prove 
You need to prove your spiritual maturity of how you're so free in Christ. Notice the guy's word there on that video, to destroy the religious strongholds. You and I are just, we're religious. And we need to open ourselves up to experience this new wave of God, right? And that's what they're saying, that we have to now demonstrate our emotional experience by taking it up to the next level, demonstrate your spirituality by expressing your emotional experience in public. So that people will know that you are truly uh, a, a spiritual Christian, okay? Things like jumping up and down during a church service, shouting and screaming and swaying back and forth and dancing, literally running around the sanctuary and going wild, okay? Uh, woo! You do that stuff and don't you see? That will prove that you are a true, spiritual, mature Christian, right? And folks, again, I'll say it on record. I don't have a problem if you show emotions during a church services, okay? Although I do have a caveat. If Kenny got up here and he was rolling around here, we're going to do something biblical. It's called lay hands on him, okay? So, but, uh, but in all seriousness, I, I don't have a problem with showing emotions, okay? I don't believe, believe it or not, I don't believe that clapping is illegal, okay? I do not believe that if you dare raise your hand uh, in the church service or shout amen that you're inviting the judgment of God. I don't believe that, okay? There's genuine emotions that I think is fine in showing during a church service, okay? Although I do wonder if we're ever gonna clap on time, but that's another point. But seriously, folks, that's not what's going on here. That's not what these guys are promoting, okay? It's out of balance. These expressive emotional encounters of the signs and wonders movement that they're telling us we have to do now to demonstrate our spiritual maturity to the church is counterfeit. Completely counterfeit, it's not genuine. And listen, little do people know, I came out of this from the new age. And when I first got saved and started seeing this behavior in the church, I'm going, you gotta be kidding me. Little do people know that they are getting worked up by this display of emotional behavior that is the same techniques that the occult uses to get people worked up into an altered state of consciousness to link up with the spirits. Okay, don't believe me? Well, let's first do our homework, okay? And let's put this thing to the test. Is this the spirit of God or spirit of Satan? Is he masquerading as an angel of light? We're gonna first take a look at how the occult gets people with movement and behavior worked up into an altered state of consciousness. And then we're gonna come back and take a look at what's happened to the church. And you tell me if there's not a direct correlation, okay? Let's first look at how the occult does it to people. During these uh, sessions, it's a very strange environment. People speak in tongues, they yell and they scream, they talk in foreign languages. It's like a madhouse and it's real crazy. Everyone bouncing around on foam pads, flying up in the air. Rajneesh is one of India's most controversial gurus, largely because of his endorsement of shocking sexual practices as a prerequisite for salvation. His brand of yoga called dynamic meditation is a new age combination of Hinduism and psychotherapies. This exercise involving rigorous breathing and hyperventilation is designed to arouse the serpent force called Kundalini, which the gurus believe lies coiled at the base of the spine. The next phase, the screaming phase of dynamic meditation, feels like when you finally had an opportunity to throw a tantrum when you were a little kid. Ah, ah, ah! 
By the time you get to the third phase of jumping up and down and yelling who, you're hardly there at all. And so it's pretty hard to remember what happens when you're there. I guess the closest thing I can associate it with is mindlessness. You get to a place where your mind actually leaves your body. Your body's just jumping up and down and your voice from your gut is yelling who and you're not doing it anymore. You become one with this whole energy. The next phase in dynamic is the quiet space. Someone yells stop and you've just been doing 30 minutes of intense catharsis. And what happens after being in such incredibly intense movement for so long is just a feeling of peacefulness and stillness. My mind actually stops and I feel a oneness with the whole universe. Interesting. Let's put all that together because this is a classic technique that we've talked about this before earlier in our study. There's different ways to get yourself worked up into an altered state of consciousness. That's just one of them using physical exercise and movement. Okay. Now let's put all this together. Okay. According to the occult, what they do to get people worked up into an altered state of consciousness uh, to link them with a, another spirit out there to connect with the universe, so to speak. Okay. Uh, is by jumping up and down. We saw that, right? Swaying back and forth, yelling and doing all that kind of stuff, letting it all hang out. Let's now take a look at some behavior that's being encouraged by the Signs and Wonders movement in the church service. And you tell me if there's not an interesting parallel, okay? Uh, again, what kind of spirit's coming through on this one? Let's take a look. There's uh, the four phases of an altered state of consciousness. First, we just saw the Hindu followers first began with a form of repetitive movement combined with so-called music for an extended period of time, right? That was step one as they engaged in that behavior. Well, folks, you go to some churches today uh, and that includes people repeatedly running around, jumping up and down, swaying back and forth, etc., to the beat of so-called worship music. But I'm sure that's just a quinky dink, right? Okay, and, and notice much, it often takes much more precedent. I'm not against the music, but it takes much more precedent than the word of God, okay? But that's just step one. Step two, the Hindu followers then started to speak forth a repetitive phrase or mantra over and over again until it became mindless. Remember that? Is what said, well, hey folks, in these same church services today includes people speaking forth a repetitive phrase or a so-called unknown language over and over and over and over and over again during that whole time. I wonder if it also becomes mindless. Step three, we saw the Hindu followers then started to shout repeatedly over and over again as a way to further release themselves from reality, right? These same church services, folks, include people shouting, yelling, screaming over and over again in order to really let it all hang out, man, in their so-called worship of God. And the final phase, folks, if you're paying attention, the Hindu followers finish this occultic mind-altering procedure with a sudden ceasing of all activity. Remember, they just... So you can feel a connection to the spirit world. Pay attention to a lot of the conferences going out there, a lot of the larger church services that encourages folks, it's the same thing. Some church services today, after people, after a prolonged behavior being requested of a period of repetitive movement, repetitive speaking, repetitive shouting, then are asked to be completely still and silent so as to feel the so-called presence of the Holy Spirit, which is completely unbiblical. Because the last time I checked, as soon as you get born again, you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Question is this, when did he ever leave? And then he's coming back because I went through all this movement, right? It's not biblical when you think about it. Plus God's omnipresent. He's with us wherever we go, okay? And it's not like some Indian rain dance where we're trying to appease the spirit of God to come fall on us. He's already inside of us as his temple, correct? That's what the Bible says. And, and what they do is they get you worked up in this, this atmosphere doing this, the exact same thing, folks. We, we just don't call it Hinduism or the occult. I'm not against, please, don't misunderstand me, expressing your emotions to God, but you put all this together and this is freaky, 
And people have all kinds of stuff happening because they get all worked up and somebody from the pulpit says, shh, stop. The Holy Spirit's here. Yeah, which spirit? It ain't the spirit of God, okay? Is the enemy slick or what? He's getting people, folks, with all due respect, I would say oftentimes, these people, again, I don't doubt they're having an emotional encounter with something, but I'll tell you this, it's not the Spirit of God. And you might be out there thinking, well, hey, I'm one of those conservative folks, Pastor Billy. I never clapped in my life, ever, not once. And I do believe if you dare move a muscle during a church service that you are inviting the judgment of God. They can't get me into an altered state of consciousness. Ha, ha, ha. Well, they might already have you because the enemy is very slick, folks. Uh, he might already have you if you practice yoga. You know why? Because it does the exact same thing, okay? And it's spreading like wildfire across America, even in the church. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to the yoga masters, okay? Uh, and people say, oh, it's just exercise. You can't separate the two. This is what the masters are saying, folks. We are being duped. It gets you into an altered state of consciousness. Let's take a look. Recently, I returned to India and had the opportunity to interview yogis who train their followers through various physical and mental exercises and I questioned them about yoga's transformation. I also asked Indian experts if the practice of yoga consciousness could be separated from its Eastern spirituality and used as physical fitness only. Dr. George Alexander, Associate Professor, author of Yoga, The Truth Behind the Posture. Today in the West, about 35 million Americans are into yoga, just seeing yoga as a physical fitness. Yoga is a Hindu word. Yoga is a Hindu discipline to become one with the universal consciousness, which means become one with God. Which God? Brahma, the Hindu God. Dr. Victor Chowdhury, a leading cancer surgeon in India, is also a well-known lecturer and author of many books. The word yoga uh, in Hindi language means union, as simple as that. And the purpose of this uh, union is uh, they think there is a power called kundalini in their spine, at the, back, at the base of their spine, which is a kind of coiled serpent. And the idea is when this, uh, when this union takes place, this serpent is uncoiled and then it travels into their minds and uh, releases the third eye. The third eye is, uh, it means the Shiva, the, the God Shiva. In Hinduism, the serpent is a very prominent deity or many people worship serpents. I have seen many snake temples or serpent temples in India. If you look at the picture of Lord Shiva in Hinduism, you see a snake wrapped around his neck. They believe that uh, the serpent power is in every person and the serpent power is sleeping in you. By practicing yoga, they awake that Kundalini uh, power in you. Actually, Kundalini is the, uh, it's a name for a cobra. So when the Kundalini power is awakened, that goes up to the brain and awaken the psychic power. When the spirit of Kundalini is uncoiled, there is a movement of body, serpent-like movement. So a lot of uh, original yoga 
uh, his serpent-like movement, you can see that. I don't think we can separate yoga, the practice of yoga, from the spiritual uh, into just a form of exercise because every form of the yoga movement derives from the serpent. And, and there's a root behind it. So when a person practices yoga, he's actually indirectly bowing down to the god of the serpent. In most cultures, the serpent is seen as a positive creature and worshipped for its wisdom. Only in the Bible is the serpent described as the creator god's enemy, a usurper who wishes to take God's rightful place in the mind of mankind. In Hinduism, he is called the Kundalini and believed to be able to be awakened through yoga meditation and grant the practitioner an awareness of God, a stillness, a God consciousness. What did the text say? Satan masquerades as an angel of light. They'll never get me, Pastor Billy. I don't move a muscle during church services. Hey, guess what? If he got you into practicing yoga, he's got you into what she say. You can't separate the two. You're bowing down before the serpent. Man, is he slick. Right under our noses. Okay? And it gets worse, folks. You think, well, that's just an isolated case. No, 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 no. Listen, it's in the church. Individual Christians have not only gotten snookered, and if you are, with all due respect, hey, try jumping jacks, do some push-ups, get a crunch machine, get away from that. If it's just about exercise, there's plenty of other things to do. Don't link up with that, okay? And that's what the experts are saying. I'm not making this up, okay? But listen, it's gotten so bad that not only individual Christians are practicing yoga, but listen, churches are promoting it, and they have the audacity to call it holy yoga. This is just one of the many websites out there, folks, in the church. Major mega ministry to reach out to people. And their mission statement on the front page of just that website says, and I quote, the whole purpose to do holy yoga in the church is to, quote, deepen people's connection to Christ. Really? Which Christ? The Antichrist? People, this is in the church. It's gaining popularity all across America. One report said this, listen, yoga followers have tripled from what it was just 15 years ago. Everybody wants to practice yoga. Why? Because the Bible says in the last days, the Antichrist is going to dupe people with false, lying, counterfeit signs, wonders, and miracles, so they'll link up with him, and they will join him in bowing down before the serpent god called Satan. And now we have a whole new generation in the church who's ready to do just that. Very quickly, the last one, the third way he gets people into being deceived to prepare their hearts for the Antichrist is this. Now it's the full-blown possession. Get people to be possessed with a different spirit than the spirit of God. This is why John says, you better put these things to the test, man. Don't take anything for granted, especially in the last days with the spirit of the Antichrist going on. First John chapter 4, verse 1 through 3 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. But what do you do? Put it to the test. Test the spirits to see whether or not they're from God. Deal with the facts, okay? If you got snooker, deal with it. Put it down and be blessed, okay? And he says this because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That's from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Okay, this is the spirit of who? It's the Antichrist doing this, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world and boy is he ever. Folks, the Bible clearly says that you do not trust every spiritual encounter because not every spiritual encounter, although it's spiritual, doesn't mean it's from God. 
John says there's counterfeits out there and they're being promoted by false prophets and the spirit of the Antichrist, which is already at work in the world. And so John says, you better put these so-called spirits to the test, right? Why? Because the last thing you ever want to do is to fall for what these spirits ultimately want to do. Been there, done that. As a non-Christian, they want to possess you. They want to take you over to become an agent of the serpent, okay? Now, the good news is what we're talking about here in the context of possession is not a Christian. Again, are there uh, occurrences where non-Christians come to church services? We've already dealt a whole sermon on that, right? So I'm talking about non-Christians because the good news is as a born-again Christian, you cannot be possessed by a demon. The Holy Spirit who indwells you at the moment of salvation is not going to share room with the demon. The Bible is clear about that. Give me a break, okay? So what we're talking about here when it comes to possession in the church, we're talking about people, I don't care what they say, if they're possessed by a different spirit than the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, they're not a Christian. And you might think, come on, Pastor, this is crazy. Could, it really, could there really be full-blown demonic possession in the church? And, and then people are actually saying, this ain't a demon, this is a new movement of God. Don't you want to join? Yes, there is. Let's put it all together. Let's do what John says in this final video and let's put it to the test. This is what's happening to the church, folks. Let's take a look. I want to show you some of the shocking things and, and just how similar they are to the Kundalini cults of Hinduism and the New Age movement, Eastern religions. Um, the stuff that's been invading in the last, say, 16 to 17 years, I believe it's the worst invasion in church history became known as the Toronto Blessing, went worldwide under that name, the Toronto Blessing. Everybody knew what that was about, people falling down, acting drunken, laughing hysterically, shaking uncontrollably, or uh, jerking backwards and forwards, their, their head shaking back and forth, people even roaring like lions, people making animal noises. Um, you know, this stuff had not been seen in the church. I mean, it may be in a tiny way on the fringes. This stuff had never been seen in the church on this scale before, and it invaded worldwide. So all around the world, especially in the Commonwealth countries, we're talking England and all through the UK, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Canada, and many other nations all over the world, all through Europe, all of the charismatic movement was into this stuff uh, for the large part. And so this thing became a worldwide sensation just in a couple of years. Now the basic question that we're asking in this documentary is why are these manifestations so similar to Eastern religions and Hinduism and the Kundalini cults and yet they're not found in scripture, they're not found in the Bible, they're not found in classical Christianity at all. <laughs> of course, in Hinduism, one of the most common ways of experiencing a kundalini awakening is through a guru placing his hand upon your forehead. This is called Shaktipat. And when they do that, you'll be infused with this incredible love and this wave of emotion. You'll fall down. There'll be all these manifestations, maybe animal noises, uh, joy and weeping and shaking. This is a kundalini awakening. And amazingly, it is exactly the same as what we have been seeing in the Toronto Blessing. Now, one of the very clearest signs of a kundalini awakening has always been these kriyas. You see this 
woman involved in the New Age movement. She's walking along exhibiting these kriyas happening, involuntary uh, jerking motions. And the staggering thing about it is that we are seeing again and again and again these exact same type of kriyas right through the Toronto movement. This has always been one of the clearest signs of Kundalini that we know of. A friend of mine from South Africa who's done a tremendous amount of research on this topic says that Kundalini is like a false Holy Spirit. It produces even miracles and healings and fusions of love and power and energy and emotion and uh, all these kinds of things and yet it's the Hindu version of the Holy Spirit and it's not holy. Notice the mark there on the forehead. I'll leave that up for a second. Of all places, where does the Bible say that the Antichrist is going to want people to accept his mark as a sign of worship? Right hand and the forehead. I don't know about you, but folks, it always seemed kind of weird that who in their right mind would put a mark on their forehead. That's kind of goofy. Especially here in America, we're all vain and stuff and worried about our appearance. But it seemed kind of strange, didn't it? Surely everybody's going to just do that one. Not anymore. According to the lies of the signs and wonders movement that's rampant in the American church, folks, it might be a new sign of your spiritual maturity. Are we getting close or what? Folks, this is all happening right now before our very eyes. And as we close, once again, what more does God got to do to get our attention? And this is why he's given us out of love these signs of the rise of apostasy in the American church to show us the tribulation is near and we better get motivated. Right? You don't want to be left behind. This is why Jesus said, the classic passage, Luke 21, 28, when these things begin to take place, when you see people in the church being uh, prepared uh, to get away from the word of God, link up with a different spirit and get a mark on your forehead, you better wake up. You better stand up. You better lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Folks, the point is always this. If you're here today and you're a Christian, it is a time to get busy. It's a time to stop fighting against each other. Let's start working together as God's team and by his spirit be used to save some souls before it all goes down. Amen? Okay, but if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I beg you, please, we're going to give an invitation, okay? And I beg you, I please heed the warnings, heed the signs, give your life, listen, to the real Jesus who can save your soul from this time that is coming to the planet, I think a lot sooner than we think. Respond today and be truly born again. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows he knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something 
called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. And that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. 
He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.